The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 10, where we chat with Roxanne. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, well, uh, Roxanne, who are you? Uh, My name's Roxanne. I'm a cis white woman, and I'm bisexual. Are there any other um, ways that you identify, especially when it comes to, like, poly labels or anything like that? Uh, Not particularly. Um, I now currently have a fiancé, so I'm, like, engaged, and that's pretty much the only other thing I say. It's like, yeah, now I'm engaged, so. Cool. So what drew you to polyamory? Uh, it, I met my, uh, now fiance Ian, um, we went on our first date and on the first date he told me that he was polyamorous and I had no clue what that meant and, but I really felt a strong connection with him and so he gave me a bunch of books to read and we, there was a poly book club going on at the time and so read those books, uh, took all the notes I could possibly take, asked all the questions. I uh, stayed monogamous while I read all these books because I didn't really want to start relationships and discover that polyamory was not for me. 
Um, but after about like four months, I realized that there was like nothing else I could read. There was not much else to do except for just the theory was no longer gonna right. Like you just study it so many times, it's just like I still don't get it. I think I should just take the step to see if this is what's right for me. Um, and so then I, after about four months of staying monogamous, um, I decided to start being poly and start dating people. So you mean you were monogamous with Ian? Mm-hmm. Well, so like he was still identified as yeah, and he had, he had a, uh, another partner. Oh, so okay. like he had already uh, had an established relationship of like two years before me, and so I had to learn to be polyamorous while he was already polyamorous and sure. doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And what does polyamory mean to you? It means um, having multiple people that fulfill different parts of you, because. I had like learned the hard way that not just one person can fulfill everything about you or like things that you want to explore. And so I you, like I date other people to find to like fill the different aspects of my life. That makes sense. Um, what if anything is difficult? about polyamory oh definitely the jealousy at first like because like for some people who start out as polyamorous they both experience that jealousy and for me it was i had to learn to be polyamorous while he already had another partner and was going on dates consistently with her and i had to like overcome jealousy um and learn compersion instead so that was a really difficult aspect that i didn't really quite understand until i found another partner that I loved as much as I loved Ian and it suddenly clicked where I was like, oh my god, this is what being polyamory is about. And Ian has been polyamorous over 10 years, right? Like, yeah, something like that, time. like yeah. forever, yeah. So for him, it was just like easy to be like, I'm so conversive, go go date all these wonderful people and mm-hmm. bring them back for my D&D games. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good way to start a campaign, I, yeah. Yeah, right now, like, a good that. chunk of, like, the part uh, of my partners are all in his D&D D- campaign. Nice. My, my D&D campaign looks like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, when do you think you really knew you were poly? So, about two months into me being polyamorous, I had a, mo- I had a job that took me into California for a month. And so, it, that gave me a chance to, like, step back and see if I was being polyamorous for Ian to date Ian or if I was being polyamorous for me. So it took, I had like that month where I like wrote down who I was all dating, why I was dating them, was I happy in it, was I actually being poly or was I just doing it to date Ian. And so that month was where I took a moment and realized I was actually completely happy in all the relationships I was in and they were all growing and prospering and that I was actually poly and not just doing it for someone else. What a great opportunity to reflect. Right? Yeah, definitely. It was one of those weird, perfect things, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, when, if you did, uh, did you start to feel different or first feel different? I don't really feel that different from other people because I, I feel like I'm happy in this lifestyle and um, I, can, I can bond with other people about what makes them happy in their lifestyles that I don't necessarily understand as well mm. so i don't really feel different i feel like everybody has different aspects of their lives that make them happy uh where would you say you are in your poly journey i think i'm at the point where i've always wanted to be where i'm really happy with all of my relationships and all of them are growing and they're strong and have really great connections um the 
only part where I'm like not the most confident in is like my compersion still like working constantly to grow my compersion and be happy with my partner's metamors instead of just being like why don't I get all that time? Like, why are you giving your time to someone else? <laughs> I was actually just posting in our private poly group this morning about how we need to, as a community, create a word that that meshes compersion and jealousy or envy together. Mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, what was it? Enversion? <laughs> I think that was probably <laughs> yeah, that are out there. Uh, envy, compersion, inversion. I think that one might be might be a winner for me because <laughs> it, it is so common that you feel like, and you really, really want to feel compersion, but you do feel that like sinking, sick feeling of like, but I, but I want that. Damn it, I want that so much. Um, but, but I'm so happy for you. you but at the same time. yeah, right. yeah. Like, I'm happy that you have this. Mm-hmm. I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, so is there anywhere that you hope to sort of go in this poly journey? Or? Yeah, so Ian is probably like the most compersive person I know. And so that's something like that I hope to, that's like what I aspire to be one day is to be as compersive as him. That's like no issues with jealousy at all just like yeah totally I'm so happy that you're so happy and like you're bringing all these wonderful things back and that's fantastic um slowly but surely working on that but it is such a slow long process that's just like trying not to be upset about it but working on that that's where I hope to be is like super compressive instead of jealousy issues um so when you kind of had that revelation of that you're not poly just for your partner um did you have any, I don't know, overarching um, concept of why you feel you are poly? Or do you think now it's, it's different from then even? Yeah. Um, at the time of, like, when I really discovered that I was uh, poly, not just for Ian, um, I was, like, dating around and having fun dating, but they weren't, like, real... Like, it didn't feel like very strong relationships that I was, like... Yes, they are like somebody I want. I can say I love you too, and that I'm gonna be with for a very, very long time. They were just like, "This is a really fun relationship." And now at this point, it's like I feel like I can get to a point, or I'm at the point where I say I love you to all of my partners, and that they are all very strong, lasting relationships instead of just frivolous fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right? No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Like if that's your right. lifestyle, that's totally right. cool. Right. For me, it's mm-hmm. that I'm more. That's not yeah. what you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so why did you agree to be interviewed? Uh, I felt like I had a really um, unique perspective of, like, what happened in my life and that I really wanted to be able to, like, share that and give some, like, advice or things to not do when you go through a trauma. Like, hey, guys, like, maybe take a break for yourself and breathe and, like, be able to, like, talk about it instead of just continu- continuing to burrow away. That makes a lot of sense and seems like a perfect transition to yeah, talk right. about that topic. Yeah, so yeah. the topic that you had chosen uh, was kind of dealing with trauma while being poly and, and how that might be a little bit different than dealing with trauma while being monogamous or single. Yeah. Um, so could you start with uh, maybe like what happened to you? Yeah, totally. Um, so last year in February on my birthday week, actually, mm-hmm. um, Ian and I were walking down an alleyway, a car pulled up. Um, guy got out of the car, put a gun to my head and took my purse. It was right. Yeah, it was absolutely traumatic. Um, 
Ian, like, kept his head about him. He, like, got the license plate number, called the police. Like, he, like, stayed solid and did everything. And I just sat and screamed and cried. Um, Which does not sound like an unreasonable reaction at all. Right, no, yeah, for sure. It took a long time for me to realize that, like, I didn't, like, it was, I did something. I didn't just do nothing. So it was like, okay, like. You reacted. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, screaming seems like actually a really productive response. (laughs) Right, exactly. It got them to go away. (laughs) Um, So at that time, I had two relationships. I had Ian and I had Tristan. Um, I had been flirting with somebody about a day or two before the incident, um, I wasn't a hundred percent confident about how that relationship would go because like the, one of the first things he said was, I am a unicorn hunter for me and my fiance. Mm, okay. And like, that's not like, I have nothing against unicorn hunters like at all. Like it, if that is their lifestyle, that is what they like, that's fine. But that's not what I was looking for, but I was at least going to go on a date and see how it went. And so it was like, we had flirted. And had set scheduled a date for like the Monday. So I had gotten robbed Saturday and I had a date scheduled with him on the Monday. And so I kept the date. I should have canceled it. It was one of those like, sure. I like, there's so much going on that I should have just like been like, hey, not now. Like, I'm going to reach out when I'm actually like available emotionally and can do this. Um, but in my head, I was like, okay, this horrible thing happened. If I just continue life as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm then it'll just go away. Like distract yourself. Which is also not an unreasonable response, whether it's, you know, super productive for you in the long run or not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how some, a lot of people I know myself included mourn. you know, if somebody dies, you're like, well, I'm going to invite every friend I have ever met over to my house and we're going to eat cookies, you know, totally we'll do that. Yeah. Um, just as an aside, um, for people who don't know what unicorn hunters are, Oh, generally, um, very like simplified definition is a couple looking for, a like bisexual woman to join their relationship either just for sex or for a full-on relationship usually not super ethical but can be you know right and like he was trying to be ethical about by being like all right this is what we are looking for we're looking for somebody that we both are dating that's not just a sexual thing like Mm -hmm. we are looking for somebody that we both are having a real relationship with and i just wasn't sure that was my thing because i had never done that before and also like the concept wasn't really what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so I had date, the date with him on Monday and met his fiance and both were lovely people. And so in my like brain that was just like freaking out about the incident, the very next day I'm like, so we're dating, right? We're like boyfriend, girlfriend now. Right. Like oh, very next day, just like, like look, so we're dating. Like we're, this is official. We're done. Like we're great. This is fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. And so same thing with the fiance. And so I started two relationships immediately after the incident i just immediately was like okay new relationship energy is going to totally distract me from uh, yeah. the fact that i had just gotten robbed I totally understand yeah. yeah and um then i started another relationship about three weeks later and then another one at the end of april so for those keeping track Ooh. that's six <laughs> six total by the end by within two months of getting robbed I like to use the analogy that I was dealing with, like, a sinking ship. Like, a cannonball just, like, totally wrecked my ship. And there was water that was coming up. And I was like, I'm just not going to pay attention to the water. I'm just going to continue as if nothing's happening. Like, we're, I'm going to get relationships. That pe- like, obviously, if I have more people, they're going to help me move on from this water. Like, we're going to be fine. 
Um, it can help me rebuild the boat while it's right. moving. Yeah, exactly. Everything's fine. Everything's Instead fine. It's fine. Weighing the boat down and it's sinking faster. Like, exactly. <laughs> like I didn't like I wasn't thinking about that aspect at all. Um, I uh, made my made distractions for myself, and I never had a single day to myself every single day of the week. Oh, that that was yeah. intentional. Like yeah. I did not want to be alone. If I was alone, I thought about the robbery. I was like, okay, no, like don't be alone. Don't be alone. Like just states, states, states. I picked up other responsibilities and like my work life and my personal life. Like I was never home. I never like I was stretching myself too thin at work. Like I was just like, all right, just distract myself and everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. I totally, totally get that. Yeah. Um, I had an incident not as dramatic as yours, but um, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, where. Um, I had an attempted carjacking happen to me. Oh. And there was nobody else there. I mean, there were people, uh, yeah. like, who I'd been out with. Right. Um, but there was nobody, like, in the car with me. And um, and I yelled so loud that the waitress inside the Nick, which it happened outside of the Nick, yeah. um, and somebody who lived in one of the Nick condos heard me yelling. Mm-hmm. And the guy ran away. Right. But I similar, like... Must distract, must distract, must distract, must distract, must distract. Right, like, for sure. And my life isn't organized to be able to be not alone ever, but I was really <laughs> yeah. trying my best. <laughs> Do you think you had any, um, like, were you able to acknowledge that that's what you were doing? Or what, no. It was totally subconscious. It was right? totally yeah. subconscious. I, like, looking back logically, like, now, it's one of those, like, oh, this is what I should have done instead. But at that time, my like my body, like my brain just automatically did this. And I didn't even realize it until like middle of April when everything fell apart. Mm, yeah. So like, yeah. Um, so six relationships. The six relationships, sinking boat. Um, Ian, when I was telling him about the sinking boat analogy, looked at me and said, yeah, you should have just let the boat sink. Mm-hmm. Which, spoiler alert, is totally what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, so meanwhile... Things with Tristan were struggling. Um, he mentioned in his episode that um, he was de-escalating his relationship and their business wasn't doing well. And, like, all of that had happened a week before I got robbed. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so both of us were dealing with very stressful aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. And as he mentioned in his podcast, he needed more and tried to put that relationship energy into more of his partners. And you were spreading yourself as thin as possible. Exactly. Yeah. And so I couldn't I couldn't provide what he needed. And so I asked him if we could take a break. About three or four days after I decided that I needed to take a break, one of my best friends reaches out and is like, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm like, not good. And he's like, why don't you come over to my place? Let's just sit and chill and, like, relax a little. It's like, okay, I can, like, I can relax. I can do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm so great at relaxing. I can do that. Two hours. We can relax. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went over to my friend's house and um, told him everything that was going on and all the new responsibilities that I had stacked on and everything. And he, and I told him about the five now relationships that I had going on. And he looked at me as I was like talking about one of them. And he's like, you don't sound happy about that relationship and I said what are you talking about fine and so he said okay let's play a game um why don't you tell me why you're dating every single one of these people and if you don't have anything nice to say about that person you should not be dating them right it was one of those like maybe not so relaxing (laughs) and so 
I discovered during this game that there were the um the couple that I was dating didn't bring me joy. And so and then there was like a whole bunch of other responsibilities in my life that were not bringing me joy either and I was just like adding on to the pile to like distract myself. And so the second week of April I just broke up with everything. I broke up with the couple. I had um, responsibilities at work that I said, you know what, this is not for me. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I was doing theater stuff, and I said, you know what, after this project, I'm not doing anymore. Like, we're, I'm done with theater. Like, I need to, like, back off and just breathe a little. Um, and so I uh, realized that I missed Tristan. And so we met up, decided we were going to try again and could go back to dating. It didn't really get much better because we only had, a, like, a week break, and neither one of us had really, like, solved our life problems <laughs> in the week that we were broken up. Or even made, probably made a lot of progress. Yeah, I mean, even not, if you're not going to solve a life problem. <laughs> right, exactly. It was one of those, like, you know, we're fine. Like, everything's fine. I'm just going to, like, I did the same thing as I had just done. I was, I broke up with everything, realized how empty my life was. I'm like, okay, bring something back. Bring something mm -hmm. back. I can't. I, no, 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 no. I can't be alone still. Just bring it back. Um... And so we we both weren't ready for the relationship that we both wanted. Um, and it was at this point that I realized, like, how emotionally gone I was. I was just, like, not able to be that person. I was just a black hole, not really happy, not really feeling anything but darkness. Um, I didn't really realize how far gone I was until he broke up with me. Because at this point, I was canceling dates with everybody. I'd, like, schedule a date, and then I'd cancel it. I'd schedule a date, I'd cancel it. Because I'd be like, mm -hmm. I'm, I can't, I don't feel, like, the energy to go on a date. So I'd schedule it with good intentions, and then I'd end it because I just couldn't feel. And so I did this on his birthday. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, right? Like, I did this to his birthday, and then we had rescheduled, like, a birthday date and I canceled on that too and so that was when he was like I'm done like yeah. you clearly don't care like like we're moving on and I realized that I was really messed up because when he broke up with me I felt nothing mm. I didn't cry I didn't say anything I said yeah makes sense cool all right see ya mm -hmm. and to like give context like he was the person I finally, like, understood polyamory. He's the first person I, like, fell in love with after Ian. So it just, to have somebody, like, that big leave and to not feel anything, that's when I knew that something was wrong. So that was a real wake-up call. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I went to therapy. I cannot recommend therapy <laughs> enough. That, that therapist and I... Um, didn't necessarily get along really well, but she at least, like, pulled me out of the darkness and, like, slapped me across the face a couple times, like, mentally, and was like, hey, stop blaming yourself for the robbery. This is not your fault. You didn't do this. Um, she pulled me out. She, um, got me to, like, feel, so, like, actually, like, feel some, like, anger. I could feel stuff, and so started to, like, do that all summer long. It was just, like, Therapy, therapy, therapy. Um, she started forcing me to, forcing myself to schedule date nights with myself. 
Ooh. Yeah, so Super like, important. so like in the calendar it says like date night with Roxanne, and like I was not allowed to cancel my own dates to schedule <laughs> with somebody else. I had to like treat myself as if I was a person that I cared about as much as my other partners. And so, I think the first date I had alone, I had to make a puzzle. <laughs> I didn't have to make a puzzle. I chose to make a puzzle, and um, it was like David Bowie Labyrinth puzzle. Oh, I was like nice. pumped. <laughs> but it was the most terrifying thing because I'm alone in the house making a puzzle in complete silence and just yeah. being like, this is really hard. Like, this is really hard to be alone right now. But, and like, I was alone with my thoughts and just making a puzzle. Like, okay, all right. So slowly but surely it got better. Like, I actually like did dates that I enjoyed, not just making a puzzle alone, but being like, all right, I'm going to treat myself to a dinner that I like. I'm going to go to a movie that I want to see. Like, actually scheduling dates with myself. Um, uh, I went to self-defense classes. Nice. Ian had tried to convince me in, like, March to go, but for me it was, like, it was too soon. It was one of those, like, admitting that something had happened, and I wasn't ready to accept that something had happened. So I finally, like, in the middle of summer, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I can go to self-defense classes. I can do this. Um, and from there, the teacher had said, like, if you're not strong, these classes aren't really going to do anything. Like, you know, you can, like, do all these moves, but if you're not stronger than your attacker, then there's not really much you can do. And so then I started actually working out and mm -hmm. actually, like, getting to punch some feelings out instead of just talking them out or, like, whatever the case may be. Um, and then, yeah. Personally, I think the muscle memories from stuff like that, like the classes, can be amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, one of the things that helped me not be stuck in the same kind of way that you were after the carjacking. Yeah. Um, I took a bunch of self-defense classes like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But when the guy popped my door open and was like diving into my car, yeah. like I, I turned my body and I stuck my foot in his stomach yeah. and I like held him away from me with my leg and there was no thought involved the yeah. only thought i remember is am i screaming loud enough can i scream louder yeah. <laughs> yeah but some part of that muscle memory of drilling and drilling and drilling different kinds of self-defense things yeah like came in and i didn't hurt him but he didn't get in my car right you know? yeah like and i don't know maybe he was going for my purse but he didn't get into my purse either like, right whatever was happening it didn't all the way happen and it was definitely out of that muscle memory and i yeah. haven't like i hadn't continued the work like but it was it was there when i needed it yeah um when I went to the self-defense classes, the teacher was going over, like, the different scenarios and, like, what you would do if, like, somebody tries to grab you and take you to your car or take you to their car or different scenarios. And one of the women asked, like, okay, what if a guy comes up and points a gun at my face and wants my purse? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm just, my brain was just like, I'm not... Okay, and so, like, I stay quiet, and the guy's, like, give him the purse. Yeah, every like, self-defense class I've ever taken there, I give them the purse and, and hope that that's all they want, and either run or, you know, throw the yeah. purse and run. Right, exactly. If I exactly. would have understood that he wanted my purse and my brain had been involved, yeah. I would have given him my purse. Right. right. But all that was happening was, like, how loud can I scream? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you can't really think of yeah. actual no, logical there was thoughts. No yeah, not at all, no. Happened. Like, I froze. Like, I didn't do anything. He was the one who, like, came and took the purse off of me, and so it was, like, oh, okay, like, that's what happens. Like, right. every time you watch the TV show and you're like, why don't they actually do anything? Yeah. Like, right. you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
one of the women in the class had said, like, well, why can't you just push the gun out of your face? <laughs> right? right? And, like, yeah. I remember just, like, going home to Ian and being like, this is stupid, like... <laughs> I'm like, is faster than your hands, that's why. Like, right, you like, do anything. Right, and it's also, like, how prepared are you to have a gun to your head? Yeah. Like, how often does that happen enough where you're just like, yeah, I'm just gonna push that out of my face, like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. You think you can do a lot of things until you're in the situation, and then... Right. You yeah. have no idea Freezing what you're gonna is, do. is a natural response. And yeah. Hopefully, at least, when you've done some self-defense classes and you've had an experience that you can now kind of yeah. move, like maybe your body will react in a different way next time. Right. But even that, you don't know. Right. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not a clue. I hope I don't find right. out. But... Right, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. But at least now you've given your mind and your body options. Right. For sure. And so, um, yeah, that was a weird experience to have with like hearing that from somebody. And then my teacher found out later, like in my workout, he's like, why are you here? I'm like... And so I explained the situation, and then he had me, like, tell the class about my experience mm -hmm. so then they can, like, understand that this is something that, like, happens to people fairly often and mm -hmm. that they need to move on. And, like, Ian and I make jokes about it all the time. Anytime we're, like, out and about and we're walking and we see, like, an alleyway, we're just like, oh, do you want to take a shortcut? Mm -hmm. Like, you want to take that, like, awful shortcut down the hallway? And poor, poor Tristan just, like cringes every time because he's just like that's not funny and we're just like oh like we're gonna make a joke about it we can't like we're gonna move on like i mean and you have to kind of figure out things like that. like one of the things that i did as i thought you know i've seen that there are cameras outside of the nick because they've mm -hmm. got like a camera on their parking lot yeah for their residents and i was like i wonder if any of their cameras were aimed here and so I, you know, called them a couple of days later and, you know, their cameras were not aimed in those directions and they're older cameras. They didn't have, um, but I actually learned like four months later, they've completely upgraded their security thing. And part of it was because I reached out to them nice. and yeah. raised the issue to them. So like you can, you can make a difference for other people right. just by talking about it. Yeah. And you don't yeah. even necessarily know, like I didn't ask them to upgrade their Right. Like, I, would, I would never have thought of asking some like, "Hi, business." Like, right. Like, can you please do condo association where I don't live? Right. You want, can you do this one thing for me? Right. <laughs> would you please invest like I don't know two thousand dollars in upgrading your electronics and you know? But they were like, you know, actually, we are kind of in a vulnerable location for this, and you know, we want people to feel safe coming here as a hotel, to be safe living here, to be safe coming to this bar. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to upgrade this, and we're going to make our systems more effective so that if something happens nearby, we have something we can give the police. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so who knows what might happen from you talking about this this way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the business no longer is there. They, like, upgraded, so they are no longer um, the bar that Ian and I were going to. Um, so Ian and I never go there anymore. It was almost like we tried to go to the the bar after, like about a month after the incident and we just couldn't do yeah. it. We couldn't relax because we were just like... Too triggering. Yeah, it was almost like, oh yeah, I cried here. Like I cried in this seat yeah. for two hours and had to talk to the police for hours after this. Like that, this place is no longer happy anymore. Yeah. I can't be here. I got in a pretty bad car accident just like... I don't know, six blocks from my house, mm -hmm. and it was on my way to the uh, grocery store, and now I take a totally different way to the grocery store. I can't drive on that street. Like, yeah. I, just, I don't want to go through that intersection where yeah. someone ran a red light and 
hit me because hmm. I totaled my car. Yeah, and totally. So I can't, yeah, I can totally understand that. And yeah. it, it, it took me a while. I can now drive down the street, but, like, it took me a long time to be like, that is the fastest way to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can for do sure. this. Yeah. yeah. But when you survive this kind of, any kind of traumatic thing, like, you don't know, like, there may be things that linger on for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I lived in Washington, D.C., September 11th, like, since oh. September 11th. Yeah. But I was in California for work. Right. Mm. And I ended up driving home. Mm-hmm. But I was stuck oh, in California. Right. Yeah. They, like yeah. every day yeah. I called the airline thinking, like, I'm going to get to go home tomorrow. And, like, finally on Friday when they were like, you're not going to be able to get home until Tuesday, I was like, fuck this. I'm yep. keeping my rental car and I'm returning it on the other side of the continent. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I'm sick of this. I have to YouTube. do something. Yeah. Yeah. But it was probably, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it right now, but we'll see. It was at least five years before I could say the phrase, I just want to go home without my voice cracking. Yeah. So, look, I can do it now. Right. But that was, you know, more than 15 years ago. Right, uh, yeah. Because you had to say it so many times. Well, I just, it was so like, that's all. And I was holding it together. Like, I didn't want to your lose kids it. Were home. Well, I didn't have kids yet. Oh, you didn't have kids yet. Okay, um, okay, okay. It, it was before I met my ex wife. Mm-hmm. But I just, like, I wanted to be home. Yeah. And I wanted to see that my street was okay, that my people were okay. Like, yeah. you know, and I was so stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I was holding it together because I was alone. And I didn't right. want to lose my shit alone. Right. And, the last time that I spoke to somebody on the airline, the first thing they said was, please don't cry. Oh, no. And then I fell apart, like yeah, driving for sure. on the freeway. Oh, it's not your fault. I'm really sorry that I'm crying. they'd probably be... Right, I'm sure that they had... Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah. I pulled off at the next exit, and then I, you know, did let myself have the cry. But it's still, like, that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I'm still, like, recovering to say, like... Ian and I were robbed. It's one of those things that's like, like I can say that one, and then when I say at gunpoint, it's like, oh, okay, hold on, yeah. like, yeah. just like. I feel it in my chest with you. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> if, like, it's like a darkness that's like still there, and it's like, okay, hold on, like, I, can, I acknowledge you, I know you're there. I'm gonna go punch out my feelings after this, so it's gonna be fine, like. Totally. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's one of those like, looking back, the, all of the mistakes I made were just like, I started for relationships like immediately like within two months just was like fill the void of that's going on just like don't let myself ever be alone just for new relationships um and that new relationship energy was like help was like momentary temporary happiness to like be okay briefly but it just was not sustaining i mean and so often when we talk about new relationship energy we do feel or i I often uh, relate it to the feelings you get with drugs, like yeah, and and it's it's initiating the same response of when somebody does like cocaine or um, eats really good carbs, you know, it's like <laughs> right. you get these like such good feelings. You're so happy, and it makes you almost like stupid happy, and that yeah. can be really addictive too. And, yeah, and distracting. And then I think the the down when you're not getting that thing you want is. Um, like any drug, kind of uh, like a real crash to the system. Yeah, for sure. Like, I like weirdly logically knew when I was robbed to not try any new drugs or anything. So like, I like was weirdly... I was even thinking about that. Right, like my brain like logically was like, whatever you try is not going to be useful to you right now. So don't Mm -hmm. try anything new and don't Mm -hmm. up your dosage of anything that you currently take. 
or drink or whatever. So like, I weirdly knew that one logically, where I was like, okay, nope, like I'm just gonna. You don't think of people as drugs. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, no, this is a totally authentic connection that I'm making with these people. Which, who's to say it's not? But it's not fulfilling that. Yeah, fulfilling that. Yeah, exactly. And at that time, like all I really wanted was like more sexual relationships but then my sex drive was down because mm. I was dealing with the trauma and depression about it and so I was starting all these relationships not having any sex but didn't want meaningful relationships because I had no emotions okay. oh, so it's just like that's what, a rock like, like, hard place. like what yeah. are you doing like what, yeah. what what was I doing logically like wow yeah that's a really tough place to be yeah it was really like looking back on it I'm like I really just wish there had been somebody that had just said back off like mm-hmm. don't do this like why are you doing this you can just take your time and like go to therapy go to therapy like cannot mm-hmm. recommend therapy enough of just like go talk to somebody and let somebody who's and a third part like an outside person of your life just tell you what's going on or like give you suggestions of what to do yeah makes a lot of sense and yeah, yeah i could so easily see myself doing the exact same thing like which oh yeah is, yeah it's kind of like i'm like oh man what would i do oh yeah i would probably throw myself into work and projects and starting a whole new thing i do find on another podcast i would do that you know I, I right? do, i'm tempted to go look at my calendar and try to map out like oh what did i do yeah <laughs> right yeah because <laughs> i suspect that i did something right and so yeah um just like no like I just like now that I actually like make time for myself I'm like more comfortable like being alone and actually like strive to like make time for myself because it's when I was like okay like if I don't make time for myself something like that could happen again and I could hurt a lot of people again because mm-hmm. not only are you like when I added all those relationships all of those people felt real authentic connections with me and whereas I felt not that much because I didn't wasn't feeling and so I heard a lot of people doing that. And so it's like, okay, like, don't start anything new. Be with yourself and just breathe. Yeah, it's, uh, and I felt similarly um, in the the trauma of, of being um, broken up with mm-hmm. and having, and like having um, veto power like been used against me so that oh, I yeah. was being broken up with, with someone who we both wanted to still be together. And so that was really rough on me, especially as someone who'd only had breakups that were relatively nice and like amicable. Um, and the first relationship that I had after that, I wasn't even really into that person. I wasn't <laughs> even really all that attracted to the person, but I forced myself to be in the relationship. I was like, yes. no, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a relationship and I'm going to force myself to have feelings and I'm going to force myself to be attracted to this person because I just need to stop thinking about this other relationship and I need to get it in my past and I, I need to, need to know, move, like, on. move yeah. on. Yeah. So, and that of course wasn't very nice to this other person, this new right. person who did want a relationship and was like excited about something new. And I'm just like, I'm just going to make this happen. And then, you know, three months go by and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't even want to hang out. Right. <laughs> right. Like, no, we actually right. don't you have... can't actually make those you feelings make happen. Those feelings you can happen. make them sort of illusory for a little while. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm. I don't think I've ever tried to force myself into a relationship, but I've certainly gone out and distracted myself with like, oh, you're cute. Yeah. <laughs> right. You'll, you'll do. You'll be right. a distraction right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not necessarily, you know, like sometimes people under those circumstances also develop feelings. You're like, oh, nope, nope, sorry, that's not available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's true. 
Well, is there any advice uh, that you would like to give folks that uh, have maybe dealt with trauma or are going through trauma right now uh, when it comes to handling relationships? Honestly, like, communicating that something is going on. That was, like, another thing that, like, I didn't do with Tristan. He just thought that, like, because I wasn't communicating that my my depression was high and that my sex drive was low and that I was dealing with a darkness. All he saw was, like, on the surface of I just didn't care about him. That's what he saw. That's what he interpreted mm-hmm. was that, like, I didn't care about him. I didn't like, I was just not attracted to him, I was attracted to other people, that's what he was, like, interpreting, so if I had just literally taken a couple of minutes to, like, try and talk out my feelings instead of feeling like my feelings were a burden, because I didn't want other people to feel, like, know how I was feeling, I wanted to keep it to myself and take care of it myself, which is not at all what polyamory is about, like, you need to communicate, you need to talk. people socialized as women, that is what we are taught. We are taught to keep it to yourself figure it the fuck out yourself yeah yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so if i had just literally tried at all to communicate that something was wrong and that i didn't know what was wrong and i was trying to figure it out i could have saved a lot of pain for a lot of people um and tristan and i worked our way back and we're fine now like now that we both like took a lot of steps away from each other of like figuring out our lives and then worked our way naturally back to each other now we're fine but at that time if i had just actually worked on it and communicated I could have saved a lot of pain sure so like communicating with your current partners and trying to work something out or being like I love you I really do I can't emotionally be here and I need to take some time for me and I want to come back to this but I need to work on me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for somebody who might be in a relationship with somebody who's gone through something traumatic oh man I have no idea. It was more like it was. Um, we could have Ian on. <laughs> right. Thinking about having Ian and Tristan on that together, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, honestly, like the two of them were so patient. It was ridiculous. Like, especially Ian, because like for him, I just went and started five more relationships and spent less time with him when he was also dealing with this yeah. trauma. He went through the same thing, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Exactly. So I wasn't making time for him either. I was just like disappearing all the time and doing other things and so he just continued being the most patient person ever it was ridiculous um so yeah i I guess the only thing is just try like try to be as patient like Mm -hmm. ask like questions that you want to ask and be like are you okay what can i do like Mm -hmm. is there literally anything i can do if not like i'll do my best to just continue being here for you also maybe um helping to try and to find resources for that partner when it comes to therapy yeah it is so stigmatized to go to therapy nowadays yeah i mean maybe not nowadays but it used to be a lot more so yeah and i think having kind of an accepting and uh no this is a really good thing and i think it would really help you mm-hmm. attitude towards therapy is probably helpful yeah mm-hmm. and especially like finding a polyamorous therapist and mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. I had to, like, find a therapist that dealt with polyamory and trauma. Like, so that's wow. such, like, a small niche of people that are okay with that and, like, trying to find a therapist that wasn't just saying, like, oh, polyamory is not for you because you should be, like, religious if you want. Or, like, whatever. Like, because I'd had, I'd had that happen a lot in my life. So I was like, okay, no, like, 
I'm being polyamorous for me. I don't want to necessarily add another thing. Like, I just want to focus on what's currently in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sucks to argue with a therapist about, like, the things that are working in your life. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's one thing to argue with them about, you know, a good way to deal with whatever the thing is. Yeah. It's another thing to argue, like, no, this is fine. This is not why I'm here. (laughs) When I went to therapy, like, my first, like, week or two in, she told me to just break up with everybody everyone oh not not ian but like and not tristan but like everybody else that i had kept in the purge i was like that she said you started that relationship after being robbed they are not a real connection break up with them and i was like i am not ready to do that like Mm -hmm. i've already gotten rid of the people that i didn't feel that strong of a connection for i have some connection with them i'm not getting rid of them so it's like learning that she was right and actually being like, okay, I need to like at least back up some time. I'm not going to break up with you, but I'm going to like see you every other week instead of once a week or maybe once a month or. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds... <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you wanted to add before we uh, wrap things up here? Yeah. I think just like when you're dealing with the trauma, be kind to yourself. Like yeah. they're like you are you are the one feeling it and nobody else can feel it but you so you just need to actually be kind to yourself and give yourself what you need of time and therapy for sure that seems like really good advice (laughs) thank you so much for coming this was kind of a hard episode to uh, yeah a talk but uh, i think it was really really helpful for a lot of people and i think that a lot of people are gonna like maybe listening back to this episode to kind of help them so thank you I think so too and thank you for you know the courage it took to come and do this thank you (laughs) yeah all right so that is it from us at polyamory and censored we have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams we'd like to thank my husband Rob for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.